Hey, what's up, DBC fans? If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let us explain. Well, first of all, Freddie, the best part is it's free. There's nothing better than using a free, awesome service. To make the process simple and easy, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor helps people find your show by distributing the podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more platforms. Also, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. I like like money. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. We love using Anchor. It's a great platform that lets us hear from the fans and reaction theater with Anchor's Leave a Message feature. So when you create your account with Anchor, you can also utilize their feature and make your own podcast. TJ will uh, be your first guest. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M to get started. On this Memorial Day, we'd like to take a moment to pause, reflect, and give thanks to all who have made the ultimate sacrifice. Today on Door Bumper Clear, Darlington Xfinity Series winner Chase Briscoe joins the show after his emotional victory. Plus, Brett, Freddie, and TJ cover all the drama from a weeknight Darlington race, debate about lap cars and ballast falling out of race cars in the 600, and decide which two drivers would make for the next great NASCAR rivalry. Let's get started. Hey, me too now. This is Freddie Kraft. Get ready. Be ready. Be ready. Give me what you got here. New leader. Oh, watch out for this guy. White flag. Recognize. Go low. Go low. Clear. Bring home. Three wide. Coming to the line. Door. Bumper. Clear. Hey, everybody. I'm TJ Majors, spotter of the 22 Cup car. Got a truck coming up tomorrow. Um, Full house again today. Plus a ghost. Yo, what's up? Brett Griffin, spotter for Clint Boyer in one quarter of the Coke 600. I'll be playing race fan uh, the rest of the week until we get back at the track. Short week this week, Freddie. Back at Wednesday. Short week, my ass. I got uh, it's Bubba Wallace last night for uh, about half the Coke 600. Uh, we had 17 trips to the garage. Um I got Jeffrey Earnhardt again today. I got Derek Krause on Tuesday. I got Bubba Wallace on Wednesday. So full week. Hopefully the weather cooperates, but <clears throat> looking forward to another full week of racing. Hey, Casey, how are you today? Hi, guys. I promise I have switched every possible room in my house. Apparently the lighting sucks. And thank you to the person who sent me a link to that Little. Why don't you guys? Why don't you guys spend more money on lighting your house and less money on Chad racing? Yeah, I mean, just think when you're rocking that baby in the nursery. Casey says she's in the nursery. You're rocking that baby. It's gonna be look like you're holding Casper. Uh, well, I don't plan on video chatting that, and we don't spend any money because he's not racing. He owns the team. That's not the... true. He's got a sim rig in the living room. He didn't pay for it. Oh, take that! Jeez. Oh, Okay. I don't know that I agree with calling the room a nursery because a nursery is either where they grow plants or where childcare takes place, and your child is actually going to reside in your home. So I think you should call it the baby's room. 
do you have to argue like every point that is possibly made by mankind? Because that's this literally is be what a great every show. Casey's mad already. Person, every single like, person me, calls it me, a nursery. To me, you take your kid. To me, you take your kid to daycare. You take your kid to a nursery. The the nursery isn't within the the walls of your home. That is actually going to be uh, motorboat's room. It's not going to be motorboat's nursery. <laughs> it's not going to be motorboat. <laughs> Let me ask you well, this, Brett. I'll tell you that. What came first, the uh, the plant place called a nursery, or a kids' room called a nursery? Well, I don't think the kids' room is called a nursery, TJ. That's my point. Uh, it, it, actually, the kids' room is the kids' room. The nursery is where you take the kid and drop it off when you don't want the kid to be at home. The baby's Which room Casey, is called Casey's a nursery. Casey's going to that she's going to need a nursery there, too. Is this going to become a babysitting debate that we had? It, okay. Yeah. Everybody oh, have you not tweet figured us, that out? Tweet us, is it a nursery or a baby's room? I know it's the same thing, but you call it a nursery. Look it up. Brett just has to argue with every little thing. You Why should have that one more. What? I mean, Casey, you set a lot of things up. I mean, that baby moon or whatever. I mean, it's I what people do. Sort of, and I'm not taking no, one. No, 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 no. That's not true. I, I'm 40 years old and I have never heard that term. That's not just what people okay. do. That's you a made up term. You were on my side a little while ago. I am, and I am, I'm just saying, like, I've never okay. heard of baby moon. All right. I, I looked it up, Casey, and, I, and I'll say this it said nursery. It's a noun. A, a child's bedroom. So I stand corrected. You're correct. You can call it a nursery. Wow. This oh, might be the B, definition B, which is what I go off of, is a place where children are temporarily cared for, cared for in their parents' absence. But A was first. So, so that's the a, primary a, a is A is I'm wrong and B is I'm right. So somewhere there's middle ground. You can't just admit <laughs> you're wrong. What if Casey goes on a, um, a post-baby moon and there's someone taking care of her child in the house, in the nursery. It's not her. It's not a parent. What? See, I'm from the South, and we just have our own meanings and definitions and ways of life, and, and we don't call our kids' room a nursery. To me, that's outside of the home. So I'm sorry. You're right. You look I'm amazing. I'm going to start doing today, some paperwork. You guys let me know when you're done with this. I, I seriously, I woke up early on my only day off. If you're going to do some paperwork, you're going to need some of my modium from yesterday. That's what going to do paperwork Casey. means in the South. Brett's from a town that has about 500 people max, and True. they have a lot of terms themselves, you know, themselves, so you got to understand that. Watermelon Our capital family tree goes straight up. <laughs> no branches. <laughs> okay, Coke well. 600, the longest race of the year. I got to watch some of it you. live. I got to watch <laughs> some of it on, I got to listen to some of it on the radio. I got to watch some of it on TV. Oh, my God. That was a long-ass race, TJ. It always is, man. Um, honestly, it didn't seem as long as it normally did for some reason, man. I, I don't know why. Um, definitely didn't feel uh, like the normal 600 miles. For, I really don't know why, but maybe it's just because we haven't been running much um, till late here. But uh, still, a lot of a lot can change in 600 miles, and you just gotta you gotta keep your name in the hat, um, like Brad did. Brad really wasn't a factor the first three quarters of that race then next thing you know brad's leading the race <laughs> and chase is running him down chase had the best car at the end i think uh he made up a lot of ground the last 100 laps um but you know you put a guy like brad or or, or someone like that whoever's leading up front you put somebody decent up you know up in the leading end they're gonna be hard to get around so and if you give a guy um you know i i'm 
Do we talk about pitting at the end or are we talking about that later? I mean, I don't know if you were home yet. We were able to win a stage staying out on 30 lap tires or something, you know, close to 30 lap tires. And, you know, Bowman, who had a strong car all night, could get within about five car lengths of us. And then he'd get super loose and would drive back away. Um, you know, and that was 30 lap tires. So I, I really don't know. Bowman even was, he was a 13th place car, and at that caution at lap 50 for the rain, he put two on, and all of a sudden, he was a dominant car. You know, everybody else put four, he put two, and he dominated the the whole next 150 laps or something. Two, if you couldn't get the lead on, if you couldn't get the lead with it, it probably wasn't going to work, because we had some other guys take two. The 19 took two and struggled when he took two, and he was a fast car. So, uh, you had to, you know, it was still tough. If you could get the lead, clean air was dominant, for sure. Yeah. Brett, how was it for you, you know, watching from home, watching the broadcast? What did you think kind of looking at it from a fan's perspective of the race? Uh, I think that was a pretty boring race, unfortunately. And, and I think we're, we're in a position as a sport to um, attract some new fans and certainly excite our existing fan base. And it was as hard to pass as anything I've ever seen, especially, you know, up front. I think it's unfortunate when you have a guy like TJ just admitted to having 30 lap tires on and be able to not only keep the lead on the restart, but drive away from the rest of the field. And then you look at guys, you know, staying out, guys getting to, like Freddie said. And at the end of the race, I don't know why on earth you would think to pit because there's only two laps left in the race when you go back green. You only have to hold everybody off for two laps and look when we get to the white flag the race is official so realistically you only have to run one lap a lot of times if they wreck so when i look at the how many cars are on the lead lap if i'm in the front i'm going to stay out and if i'm in the very back i'm going to stay out because if those guys are running 20th they have an opportunity to come up in the top eight why would they pit and get four tires and line up 20th when you know you can't pass? It would be a stupid decision to do that. So I really wish TV, instead of interviewing, and maybe I missed it, instead of interviewing Chase Elliott, uh, I would ask Alan Gustafson why he stayed out. And I would ask Chase Elliott why he listened. That would be the two questions that I won't answer if I'm a race fan sitting at home. Uh, but the, the broadcast team did a good job. I just think the product there was not what I like. I mean, I was watching Brad at the end of the race come off of turn two, and it looked like he was in qualifying trim, Freddie, like he wasn't having to use up the whole racetrack and blend up to the wall. And that's a pretty tight radius coming off of two. And if you're wide open in the gas and you're coming off and you're starting to lose that banking and you don't need to wash up to the wall, it tells me our exit speeds are way too low for these cars to be, quote, hard to drive. TJ has been referencing slot cars a lot this year on the racetrack, and I think when we look at back at the Darlington races, those guys were sawing on the wheel. I mean, Jimmy Johnson was using every bit of talent he had, and obviously they run the second Darlington race since we've done a podcast. But when I look at Charlotte and I look at how easy, man, I was watching Austin Dillon's hands inside of that Coke 600 cam, and he's just barely turning them. You know, he wasn't working. He wasn't sawing. The exits were too easy last night. And, and, and I think when you interview those guys after the race, I mean, listen, they've been working for six hours, right? They had a two-hour break with rain, but nonetheless, they had four hours in the car. You would think their heart rates are in the 150s. You would think they're sweating. You would think they're going to come out exhausted because it was hot and humid when we started the race. And Alex Bowman was the only one I saw sweating. You know, Martin Truex, uh, Chase Elliott, Brad Keselowski, they literally looked like they had just showered and were ready to go to work as an accountant. It did not look like they had just went to work. I, I looked worse walking to my car and, and getting back in my car to leave than they looked after running 600 miles, Freddie. 
Yeah, yeah. see, that's normal though. <laughs> I'll tell you one thing. Last night, listening, you know, I left to probably around lap two fifty or so, and the PRN guys do a hell of a job making it sound a lot more exciting than it is. Because you know, you know what it looks like just from being there and watching the first half of the race. And you know, Doug Rice and them guys, you you think they're three wide every lap for the lead, listening to them on radio. But um, yeah, I got home for the last twenty laps. So obviously, you know, I you know, I just don't understand how you pit there. I know you're going to make the excuse that, you know, if I pit everybody else, if I stay out, everybody else is coming. Good. I don't care. Nobody, I mean, like we, we saw it in Vegas. We, uh, Mike, you know, Bubba was running, uh, we were running probably around 20th and we stayed out that last stop and restarted, I don't know, sixth or seventh and ended up with a top 10 because, you know, the same scenario that would have happened last night. Um, so, you know, you're going to have guys at the back stay out. And even if they don't, I'm still not sure that they get around you. You know what I mean? You saw what TJ did on old tires and, and the nine was probably the best car on the racetrack at that point. So I'm staying out. You know what I mean? I, if I'd rather lose to tires than shoot myself in the foot pit and not be able to get back to the front. I know you, you always say you want to play offense, but I just think the track position mattered way too much last night. And, you know, as far as the guys not working, you know, we've talked about that package there before. It works really well, you know, at the all-star race because it's, 20 lap segments and these guys are driving the hell out of these things for 20 laps where you know last night's 100 lap stages and you, and you kind of get settled in and just super tough to pass you know I, we Kevin Harvick couldn't get around to us for 20 laps and obviously he was way you know he'd run up to our bumper every corner but but couldn't get around us so you know it's TJ just, but you have the balls to make a, a rule change before Wednesday given what we saw because as, as a kid growing up man I traveled all over the country with my family every summer we'd take a vacation and you'd go somewhere and they'd be like man what's your favorite sport and I'd be like NASCAR oh those guys just drive around in circles like last night it looked like that for the most part that's not what our sport is but it looked like that like would you have the balls if you ran the sport to make a rule change before Wednesday to try to make it more entertaining Mm, it'd be you know that's it's already monday to me it would be tough um to make a rule change before wednesday but for the next mile and a half or the next time we come back to charlotte if we do um i definitely think there something needs to happen i i still think um you know way the tires didn't matter nearly enough didn't matter nearly enough at darlington if you had eight laps on your tires you knew it you know now you couldn't tell. I couldn't really tell you how many how many were on each other. You know, you couldn't tell. I, I for sure wouldn't have pitted from the front because um, even if you're leading the race and it's a green white checker, you're going to have some buffer cars. Some guys are going to stay out. You know, there's going to be you're not going to be an immediate threat to tires in a green white checker finish, especially when you saw thirty lap tires, something like that. You know, win a stage, um, and it took them four or five laps to even get to us, you know, to even make like to within that, in that window of like, you know, maybe attempting something, but, um, <clears throat> I don't know, man, I, I don't think you can make a role change. I, I think, uh, unless there's something you got in your pocket that, you know, the teams can do very simply and easily. Um, some Good of these news guys, is it's a lot shorter race on Wednesday. It's not a 600 yeah. miler. It's a 300 miler. Got to go. Got to go for sure, but I don't know. A That's our selling point going into Wednesday. I think short race. It's going to help the product. Uh, it's not going to be as long a runs, hopefully. And um, again, man, we, we got a lot of opportunities right now to try new things. Obviously, a Wednesday night race is one thing. A short cup race is another thing. So a lot, a lot of positives going into Wednesday. But that, I mean, Freddie and I walked in together to this race. 
Uh, Casey, you'll appreciate this. You know, we're all used to the midway being nuts and having to jump out of the way of golf carts and having to say, excuse me, to race fans and, you know, seeing midway displays where somebody's throwing out T-shirts and, and having jamming music. And we walked in yesterday at Darlington. We didn't feel this so much because we parked right at the elevator. We went up to the roof. We did our job. But we had a pretty good walk yesterday, probably a three-quarter mile walk to the elevators and then and then up to our seats where we sat. It did not feel at all like we were about to run a race not to mention the coke 600 yeah i would say on tv they were they did a great job of filling in what the coke 600 would normally be like the way they honor um military the military the way they you know they they showed highlights of pre-race in the past and what it used to look like because this pre-race has always been so iconic so um i think i have to commend nascar and and the broadcast because they did a great job of still recognizing those military members who deserve to be recognized. And fortunately we had that big screen to watch a lot of that. Cause I think that helped me kind of get in my groove. And then they were playing some good music that kind of helped me get in my groove. Cause the walk to the spotter stand was eerie. I believe it. Usually this <laughs> yeah. race is crowded too. This is a big one. Cool. Well, before we get started, let's hear more about our presenting sponsor offer pad. Man, we're racing at home this week at Charlotte. And speaking of your home, if you need to buy or sell yours, then you need to go to OfferPad.com. OfferPad makes it easier than ever to do just that. And for you, those of you that live in or around the Charlotte area and want to move here, Charlotte is one of OfferPad's markets. Who wouldn't want to live here and be neighbors with us? Freddie has a gigantic couch. <laughs> OfferPad can help you find the perfect home around the Queen City area. Hey, my buddy's in real estate. He's a real estate attorney here in the Carolinas, and he said that we are selling houses like crazy. People out of the Northeast, like where you live, Freddie, they want to come live where the good people live. They want to come down here in the Bible Belt where us Southerners are nice. We're hospitable to people. So get the process started today by logging on to OfferPad.com. It'll only take five minutes to get your home ready to sell. Yeah, I made I made that jump about ten years ago, and I don't I don't haven't regretted it since then. Right. But you just told us a little bit ago you got out of your car and yelled at somebody. <laughs> that was in Bristol. <laughs> that wasn't in the south. That guy was from the north, TJ. How do you know? Oh man, people from the south don't act like that. <laughs> well, come down here and find out. And if you do sell your home with OfferPad.com, be sure to send us a screenshot, and we'll send you an OfferPad door bumper clear T-shirt. Don't wait another day to make that move. Go check out OfferPad.com and get your move on. Get your move on. Get your move on. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) We've had a lot of weather. A lot of weather in our industry for the last two weeks. It has rained damn near every day. And we get no information from NASCAR. My sponsors that I work with have been up my butt about when are we racing? Why did they pick Thursday at noon? Like, we have a lot of fans that are literally sitting on edge waiting for communication, and we still don't have any. And I don't understand why NASCAR doesn't have its own weather team. We're relying on two guys on Twitter to tell us the odds of racing. Like, why doesn't NASCAR take over the narrative of the weather conversation and have a have a weatherman right there on site? Have a weatherman all week talking about how great it's going to be or how challenging it's going to be. That is such a big part of our storyline for the last two weeks since this pandemic 
has, has kind of kicked our butts and now we're restarting it. Like I want them to send us more information. We're going to make an update at one o'clock. We're going to make an update in 45 minutes. We all sit around and have no idea what's going on. I mean, Freddie's mad because he's got to drive to Darlington because he sees all this rain, but he's not really mad because he sees all this rain. He's mad because he doesn't have any information. We need more information when this weather crap is going on for our sponsors. Casey, would you agree? Oh, yes. I would say... You can stop there. I love you. <laughs> I don't even think a weather guy needs to be on site. All you need is a guy that can read the... And we have plenty of them, but I know what you're saying. You want somebody that can that is the official NASCAR weather guy that gives the info like, hey, it's looking like the odds are... And I follow a couple NASCAR weather guys on, on you know, Twitter But they're and not stuff NASCAR and, weather guys. They're self-proclaimed well, NASCAR no, they, guys. They are. They do it for the racetrack, which is, I mean... I love I love reading into them, man. I mean, but they're weather guys, and I understand, you know, and they're they're pretty accurate most of the time. But um, I don't know, I w- weather's tough to deal with. So I think that to your point, you think you feel that NASCAR should be pl- supplying the weather updates, not the people on Twitter, right? I'm not. I think that the people on like the two guys that we've been following, I go to them all the time. I think they're doing a great job. You don't have anywhere else to go. But I would say NASCAR, are, are you saying that NASCAR maybe should supply more updates as far as the reasoning why they, you said why they select Thursday at 12 or where things are if you guys are driving to Darlington and it's pouring down rain? My so, sponsor's going, why are we racing Thursday at 12? Why wouldn't we race Thursday night? So why doesn't NASCAR, when they say we're racing Thursday at 12, say it's because we have to move our equipment to Charlotte in time for the Charlotte race? And But, but here I am representing their brand and I'm having to guess as to why we're racing Thursday at 12. Yeah. I mean, and I got my phone blowing up. I got people up my butt. Now I got to call Chris Rice and ask him, why are we racing Thursday at 12? Even though I already know, but I've had, I, I'm asking for something from them. Like it's, it's, it's just hard. It's there's hard. A lot and of weather factors, sucks. But I do agree. I think it has to do with TV ratings or TV time. I think there's a lot that plays into it. But yes, there probably could be some information shared along the lines of reasoning. I lost half my ass last week because for three days I was getting gnawed on by people out of Colorado. I, 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 I. I this scares me because this scares me. The first time that guy says no, hey, it's going to rain all night, and then it doesn't rain. Well, he's gone. Brett, you're really just complaining because you want to know everything and you don't know everything. Brett's just complaining because he got his ass You don't know everything. Yeah, Brett. You're, Brett's just mad. He wants to blame Brett's, the weather guys because he got his. His, uh, you <laughs> yeah. You're I just want, complaining because you don't know. I want a hot weather girl that's got on her NASCAR logo, and I want her coming on, and there I want her doing a nice social video with the weather. Mm. Brett, like, you're thinking, now you're thinking with the is... do funny. Stop thinking with your do funny. <laughs> Does she have to have the Memorial Day on the right day, or can she have Memorial Day on Tuesday? Did y'all see my tweet from last night where the weather girl just had Memorial Day is the wrong day? Like, what an idiot. Here I am. I'm watching the race, you know, trying to wind down. My five-hour energy still kicking in, and this dumbass weather girl comes on there, and her entire days are wrong on her calendar. I think it's because it switched over. No, that that's literally what happened. You're not complaining at NASCAR. You're complaining about you not being able to know everything that you're supposed to that you want to, to know. I, and I you want to call weather girl. So there we go. I'm glad I'm glad Chase Briscoe just joined us because it'll get Casey off my oh ass. My Chase, what's up, brother? What's happening? How are 
are you guys? <laughs> so, Chase, Casey and I were in a huge debate. I was saying that we've had all this freaking rain for two weeks. I want NASCAR to hire a weather person. Give us official updates no, every hour. Give us the chances girl. that we're going to. Ra- I did said. say a hot weather girl. That's What's what wrong with about. hot, Chase? Not the weather. If it's raining, you get the point. We do need something to know for the weather, for real. I like this guy. I'm glad we had him on, Freddie. Good idea. Okay, Chase. <laughs> this is this is how this show has to go. You cannot agree with Brett at all because he has a big enough head as it is. He can't fit. If you keep agreeing with him, he's not going to fit in a little box. He's just going <laughs> to... <laughs> oh, hell. It is tough waiting around sometimes, and sometimes there, a couple hours goes by that you do sit there and be like, so what's the plans now, you know? And then, yeah, I don't care. Like, just give us a time. Like, hey, in an hour, we're going to give you an update. And the, the update yeah. might be, we're going to wait another hour and give you another update, but just say something. Jeez, they're really Brett in a hard wants, position, though, man. I mean. What Brett, Brett wants, wants is for them to say, like, it's going to stop racing, uh, raining at 11.02 a.m., and you'll be back to racing at 1.35. Brett also wants wants a beat a, a chair in the sand and someone to feed him grapes so yeah well, hey this is a great idea tj i'm glad you finally brought a great idea to the show all right chase so i don't think we've actually i know we've never had a show and had a guest um on the same day as the race is going to happen obviously you're coming off a huge win at darlington an emotional win at darlington for you and your family like h- how has your week been man over the power not, not hadn't it been a week how's uh, how's it been since darlington and, and what have you done to get ready for tonight man yeah obviously darlington was a, a huge thing personally you know for me and my you know things have definitely been a little bit better it doesn't take anything away by any means but um it's made it a little bit easier it's just been you know honestly incredible the amount of people that um, the story has reached, you know, if we can just help one couple going through the same thing, you know, I think that's, that's our goal. And it's amazing how many people are going through what we've gone through. So, um, you know, this week, it, you know, preparation wise is a little bit different just because I haven't been able to go to the shop. I haven't, you know, been on the simulator, all those things that we're normally doing, but, um, definitely watched the race last night. I was a little disappointed with how the PJ one came in. I was wanting to rip the fence and I don't think I'm going to get to do that tonight, but, uh, it should be a fun race regardless. Charlotte's always fun. To, you know, we have a little bit of tire fall off in the Xfinity series and a low downforce. It'll make it a lot better. So, like, I look at I – mean, I, I've been doing this too damn long, Chase, to be honest with you. I looked up when you were born. You were born after I graduated <laughs> high school, so that kind of pisses me off. Um, but, but, man, emotionally, at 25 years old, I was in this sport and I was on the competition side. Um, I never had to go to work on a a Saturday or a Sunday to race carrying the emotions that you are carrying as a 40 year old. Yes, man. My mom broke her hip uh, the morning of a race. I had to go to the racetrack. I had to carry the burden of knowing she was going to have surgery. Like emotionally at 25 years old, how hard was it for you to buckle in that race car and focus on what you had to do? Yeah. You know, it wasn't hard to necessarily get in the car. Um, It was hard to go to Darlington though and sit there waiting it out when I knew my wife was at home hurting. Um, and there's just nothing you can do. You feel hopeless. And, you know, getting in the car wasn't ever a question. I, I was kind of curious where my head was going to be. Um, and to be honest with you, it was way worse than I expected it to be. Um, you know, the beginning part of the race, you know, I was nervous starting the race and just because we hadn't been doing it for so long. And then kind of the first, I would say, you know, three eighths of the race, that kind of felt back to normal. But then when I got to the lead with 50, 60 to go, that's when kind of emotionally I just fell apart. You know, I, I said in one of my interviews with 50 to go and I was leading with Al Geyer, uh, running second, I was tearing up, you know, I was 
not thinking about anything in the race car. I was thinking about my wife at home. I knew she was watching and knew what she was going through. And then obviously when we had that last restart, I took the lead with you know eight or nine to go. I knew as long as I didn't screw up, more than likely I was probably going to win the race. And then emotionally, yeah, it just got worse and worse and worse. But um, definitely was a weird feeling in the race car. I'm curious how tonight will go um, just because obviously it's still fresh. It's not even been a week yet. So uh, I'm glad that we at least got one race under our belt to kind of help that. But yeah, definitely emotionally was was not there emotionally or mentally. I was just kind of all over the place. So um, definitely was a weird feeling in the race car. And like you were saying, it's it's tough to go to the racetrack and, you know, deal with those kinds of things. But not everybody knows how I am with my faith, and that certainly helped. Chase, how much better did it make it outrunning Kyle Busch on a damn, you know, the end of the race there? Probably, one, I'll give it this, Brett, one of the best to ever do it in the Xfinity Series. And here you are with all this going on in your world, and, and you get a chance to just rip the top and outrun Kyle Busch on the last lap. Yeah, you know, it's just crazy how this whole thing's worked. You know, I think the story wouldn't be as significant if I didn't beat Kyle. You know, if I would have won, it still would have been a big deal, but it wouldn't have meant as much. It wouldn't have, it just wouldn't have been different if Kyle wasn't the guy that I outran. And, you know, it was kind of funny when that restart happened and I look in my mirror and I see Kyle running second. You know, normally I would have been a little intimidated probably, but I just had a, a piece about the whole thing just because I, I knew God was going to somehow work it. And, uh, you know, I just had a feeling I was going to win. I knew he was going to probably get there. I knew he was going to be close, but you know, I just had a piece about it. You know, I just felt like there was a reason. I, I didn't think God would let me run second, as weird as that sounds. I just knew that there was going to be a story turn out of it. And uh, obviously, that's what happened. But, you know, Kyle is by far one of the best in, in anything. He gets in a go-kart, a truck, Xfinity car, cup car, anything he gets in, he's good. So to beat him at any level um, is certainly a big deal, I think, for my career. And hopefully, we can beat him again tonight. That's, that's obviously the goal. To throttle back up in turn one, where you did, and to see Kyle coming up, I, I don't know what you were seeing at that point, but I was about to close my eyes watching it on TV. <laughs> um, you know, you drove back on the outside of Kyle. Kyle's coming up. I know you can see him. He hits you a little bit, and you guys both just pretty much stay in it and race off the corner. And, and um, man, I can't think of a better way to win a race at a track like that. Um, and as far as competitors, too, you put a lot of pressure on yourself at the beginning of the year saying you needed to win a lot of races if you were going to get a shot at the next level. And um, that's one way to that's one way to do it, man. I mean, you, if you beat Kyle, you open eyes. Um, Kyle's probably, you know, he's obviously one of the best to drive in the Xfinity Series. Um, so to beat a guy like that at a track like that, I think uh, that has to be um, that has to be awesome, man. I mean, um, you know, it's cool to it's cool that you thought like when, when you saw him back there, you know, you still had that confidence to do it. Um, I think that's a, I think that's a pretty good trait to have. Yeah. I mean, definitely beating Kyle anywhere is cool, but to do it at Darlington, I mean, just from a personal standpoint, I mean, that confidence wise, I feel like it goes a really long way. Um, but yeah, the, the Darlington deal, you know, running the outside, it's per, it's just like days of thunder. I knew it would stick. I could make it happen. Um, but yeah, you know, Kyle, I hit, you know what days of thunder is at 25. I'm proud of you. Casey doesn't even, doesn't even know what I, that is. But yeah, I hit the wall off of four. I was so loose and I don't know if he got just enough air in my left ear or what, but then I obviously smacked the wall off of four and I tried to, I was kind of trying to side draft him, but my, my more goal was, was to run him way down into one because I knew if I could still sweep out and get that angle, uh, I would be good. And, and Kyle 
braced me pretty clean. I mean, he could easily just ran it all the way to the wall. I think we both would have wrecked at the end of it. But, you know, it was just crazy how that all worked. I was telling my wife, you know, normally when you hit the wall, it just sucks you right into the wall and you can't get out of it where I literally hit the wall and gained like, so this, everything went perfect. Um, you know, it took me back to dirt racing because he was kind of trying to give me a slide job and I knew if I could just stay in it, I could clear him probably. Um, but yeah, it was an awesome race to go back and watch. And, you know, I didn't realize it was, he was as close to clearing me as he was, you know, inside the race car. I felt like I was still at his door and then watching the race back, you know, he was all but clear of me. So it was definitely a, a Really good race, and I was surprised that he wasn't able to side draft me off of four. I, I was lucky enough to get a good enough run off of four to where he couldn't side draft me because then it would have been like the Ricky Craven finish all over. If he clears you into one, that's going to be tough. Oh yeah, the race is over if he clears me into one. You know, and then is there a better racetrack than Darlington out there, Chase? Honestly, for asphalt. Man, I, Brett's Brett's biased, by the way. Just so you know, that's it's his good. Home track. It's good. <laughs> I don't, Darlington is not my favorite. It's top five for sure. But to me, Homestead and Iowa is hard to beat. I mean, they're just the perfect racetracks, I think. But Darlington, I would say, is definitely, from a driver's standpoint, I feel like Darlington is the number one track. If your car is off, you can still make something happen. Where at those racetracks, if your car is off, you're probably not going to be able to make it a huge game. But Darlington, 100% is a driver's track where, you know, if you can – you know, perfect example, I was really tight in the center, but I was making myself get sideways just by throttling up and being able to get the thing rotated. So it makes it fun as a driver just because you can manipulate what the car's doing. So I, I, I want to ask you something about kind of the transition from last year to this year, right? Like I, I've seen Toyota bring up a lot of kids, you know, and, and literally walk them through the ranks. The last guy I really remember Ford getting their hands on was Casey Kane. And obviously he had a, a tremendous career here in NASCAR. They've obviously got their hooks in you. They've helped you get to where you're at. But kind of uh, at the end of last year, there was a lot of uncertainty about your future and what your plans were going to be and how the sponsorship was going to evolve. When did you finally take a breath and realize you were going to be okay? Because, man, I'll be honest with you, October, I was worried about you. I didn't know if you were going to have a full-time ride, if you were going to get to stay in the Ford camp. And I want you to stay at Stuart Haas. I want you to stay with Ford because it's important that OEMs are developing guys like you. But but at last last year, at what point did you get to take a deep breath and go, oh, I'm going to be okay. I still got a job here. Yeah, it's, it's funny you ask. So uh, October, is that, I think it was October, it was Roval weekend. I was told, hey, 100%, you're good to go uh, full-time again. I get to Homestead and I have a meeting and they tell me, Hey, we don't have anything for you now. So it was uh, definitely a crazy, you know, two, two and a half months. Um, you know, we get to Homestead and they're like, Hey, we, we, we don't want to lose you, but at the same time, we don't think we're going to have anything. So, you know, I was talking to other manufacturers and Ford was still adamant. Like, Hey, if we can find anything, we're going to, we're going to make this work. And, you know, just everything kind of happened perfectly. The highpoint.com thing came together and I want to say, like first week of January. And I mean, it was late when my deal got done. Um, but yeah, everything just happened so perfectly with, between the high point deal, um, the Ford performance racing school. I mean, the high point thing literally happened. The guy that owns the company is in Las Vegas at a convention. My dad is in Las Vegas, I think for SEMA and, uh, had a 98 hat on. And the guy is a big Stuart Haas racing fan and yelled name and him and my dad got to talking and he handed my dad a, a card and said, Hey, if, you guys need anything, let me know. And he had actually talked to Stuart Haas two years ago about sponsoring Cole. He was a huge Cole Custer fan. And it just so happened that 
he comes back and, and sponsors me on the Xfinity side and, and kind of saves my career at SHR. So it's just been crazy how all that stuff's kind of worked out. And then obviously for him to to get a win at Darlington, his first race at, or second race in the sport, but his first win at a, at a place like Darlington is pretty cool. What is highpoint.com? So highpoint.com is an IT company. So uh, they have three different locations. So for perfect example, Charlotte's a huge race weekend for us. One of their headquarters is in Ballantyne, North Carolina. Uh, another one's in uh, New Jersey, and they have one in London overseas. So it's an IT company. Um, they do a lot of stuff with banking. That's kind of their main uh, role. Um, but, yeah, it's an IT company. So Stuart Haas, you know, we use it quite a bit, obviously, trying to do all the data stuff we're doing and uh, the engineers, obviously. So it's a big deal for us as a company. So I don't know if you guys know this or not, but I don't know, about a year or two ago, I actually hired Chase as my agent for my next contract negotiation. <laughs> so I'm just letting you know, Chase, I'm in a contract year. Chase went on, I think he got some bad information and went on Reddit and, and, and said we made about $800,000, $900,000 a year. <laughs> so um, now I'm just, I've hired Chase. So I'm chasing up to contract year. I'll send you Philippe's number. I forgot about guys. this. I, I, the most hated man in the <laughs> So just love it. I'll, I'll put get an extra zero on there. Yeah, Chase puts out there the spotters make like half a million dollars a year. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so talk about tonight a little bit, Chase. Like obviously no practice. You got to watch the race last night. I mean, what's what kind of where are you starting? I don't even know what you drew, but uh, you know uh, what kind of expectations do you have tonight? Yeah, so I started eighth. So you know, I was I was hoping the PJ one stuff came in a lot more than what it did last night. You know, my whole plan was starting off, I was just going to go to the third or fourth lane in one and two and try to pick off a couple, but I don't know if that's going to be the smartest move with how the PJ1 stuff is. So, you know, I don't mind the no practice deal or no qualifying. I actually would rather do that every week. Personally, it kind of goes back to sprint car racing, show up, you get two laps and, you know, you're racing. So, you know, and, you know, for me, it's a positive that Stuart Haas, you know, we have really good race cars and we're always pretty good off the truck anyway. So, you know, I think it's an advantage just showing up and racing. Uh, I think we have too much practice as it is. So I'm all for it. Hopefully we keep doing this for a while. I know a lot of drivers probably don't like it the most and some of the teams probably either, but I think it kind of puts it back in the driver's hands just because you got to figure out what you got. Um, and then obviously, you know, in the Xfinity series, at least we're very limited on pit stops. So you got to make sure you're kind of steering in the right direction. Chad, Ross Chastain came on our show last year, and he caught crap about this. TJ and Freddie and Casey know what he said, but they don't know he caught crap about it from some of the higher-ups. He said the Xfinity cars, out of the all three Turing series right now, the Xfinity series cars are the most fun to drive, hands down. Are you having fun doing this right now? Because I know you come out of cars that are fun to drive. Oh, it's a blast. I mean, you go to – I mean, perfect example, Darlington. I mean, we were running around there sideways the whole time. So, I mean, it's – I think the Xfinity cars are a blast. Obviously, I don't have any experience in the cup car. Um, I haven't ran a truck other than Eldora for the past two years. So, you know, I think the Xfinity cars are awesome. You go to a mile and a half, we're slipping and sliding around. You know, we're running right on the wall. It seems like any place we go, we normally make multiple grooves happen. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, the Xfinity series is by far one of the better races every week. And I know from inside the car and all my buddies that have, have ran multiple series, they enjoy running those the most, too. So, you know, like I said, they're just fun to go anywhere. It seems like we go, we're always sliding around. And this makes it fun as a driver. This makes Casey happy because you're talking about her client right now. I'm trying to get, I'm trying to get brownie points here. Yeah, well, it's not working for you, but it's working for Chase. We're just trying to get some color back in Casey's skin. Oh, She's really pale. I've tried so, every room in my house. I'm sorry. So the last thing I wanted to ask you about, Chase, you know, we've heard you talk about, you know, you need, you felt like you need to win races this year, and you know, get your name out of the map. 
no matter how many races you win this year, are you in a position this year where you feel like if, if you don't win that race at Homestead or Phoenix, I guess, wherever we end the season and then get that championship, would this season be a disappointment for you? Uh, no, I mean, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, a championship certainly nice, but, I mean, at the same time, say you, you were to win 15 races in a year and you don't win the championship, then that season's not a failure. I think it's all dependent on, you know, with how this the championship is decided now, there's so many variables. I mean, you could go down there and blow a tire on the first lap and, and literally in the Cup Series win the first 35 races and you run fourth in the championship. So I don't think a championship necessarily dictates your season. I mean, it's certainly a big, big deal to win a championship. But, you know, if we go win eight to ten races, then we've had a, a really good season regardless of what happens in the championship. So, you know, that's obviously the goal. Um, but, no, I don't think it dictates your season at all. I think it, it all kind of – your whole season dictates how your season's been. I mean, there's guys that – haven't won a race all year long and they could go down there and win the championship. That doesn't mean they were the best car all year long. So uh, we're just trying to win as many races as we can. Obviously the eight to 10 thing was something I put out earlier this year. And it's something that I felt like we could do if we did our job. So, you know, we're on a good start to that. Hopefully we can continue that. Fortunately for you, your spotter, Tim Fidoa is a lot better spotter than he was a driver. <laughs> he's been, uh, he's been guiding you for the last year and a half. You guys have had a lot of success won some races. What's Timmy like on the radio, man? Because Timmy is honestly, and I ain't saying this because he's my teammate, he's the nicest guy on the roof. How? What's he like as a spotter? I love Timmy. I, he was a pretty good dang race car driver, too. I've been trying to get him to go run a truck series race or two, but I don't know. I've always enjoyed working with Timmy. The first time we ever um, worked together was at Daytona and one of the IMSA stuff. And literally, I, I missed a corner. I was messing with the brake bias deal, and I – what he said was what I thought two seconds before, and I was like, all right, we're on the same page. And ever since then, we've always just kind of clicked. So, you know, Timmy doesn't get worked up. He's real calm. He tells you what's going on. And I'm not a guy that really likes a lot of talking in general. I just kind of want clear high, clear low. And, you know, Timmy's really good at that. So he's done it too. And that that's what helps me, I think, more than anything, is having somebody that's been there and drove. You know, I don't – Kyle Bush has more Xfinity wins than I even have pavement races my entire life. So I'm still super inexperienced compared to a lot of these guys. So having somebody that can visually see what the car is doing, um, you know, be able to kind of give tips like, Hey, you could try this, try that. You know, Timmy, you know, it's been a little bit since he's drove, but it wasn't like it was 30 years ago. You know, it's still fairly recent. So to be able to have that in your back pocket definitely helps. Timmy, how old is Timmy, TJ? Timmy's probably what, 50? He's got to be yeah, right it's around probably 50. close to 30 years ago. <laughs> and he still has great hair. He still has great hair. He's got better hair than Chase has, and Chase is half his age, which brings me to this point, TJ. I stood behind you yesterday, and I was about 10 rows up. Dude, you're getting a bald spot. Did you know that? That's uh, from just when I wear a hat. I don't it have doesn't matter. Family. I've got a bald spot, but you're getting a bald spot. Yesterday's the first day I've noticed it. This uh, quarantine <laughs> your hair up. Dude, look at how long it is. Uh, I'm glad you said Timmy's calm on the radio because you should see him on the spotter stand. He's bouncing around and moving. Oh, I've like- been up there with him. He's <laughs> place. He's a nervous wreck. I know one thing. It blows my mind every time I come up on the spotter stand. Like you guys will be at Daytona, for example, in the pack, and TJ for like will be turning around, getting a drink of water, or like just anybody. <laughs> like it's crazy how you guys are like walking around up there. And TJ goes to the bathroom mid runs. He's he don't. I mean, he's not me telling all us. We brought you on here to make spotters look good. You're talking <laughs> about us. Yeah, this negotiation's not going to go well if you tell we ain't doing nothing up there. Stay off the roof. 
Ask them if they're social distancing or not. They really get a kick out of that uh, one. Spotters only from now on. No drivers. <laughs> There's two people that move the whole race, man. There's two people that move the whole race. It's the 48 spotter and the 19 spotter. Yeah, I, I agree won. with Clayton. He's definitely won a lot. He caught Austin Dillon, and I don't know, or I forget who he caught. It was somebody, it wasn't Austin, it was somebody like that, but uh, he down there standing, hey, uh, excuse me, can you please uh, let us go? Like, no, it's like, ah, whatever. Bubba told me to go talk to somebody. I said, yeah, I'll let him know in August when I'm allowed to go down there and talk to him. Like, <laughs> we can't go over there. You know? <laughs> it is crazy, though, for real, like when the social distancing thing isn't happening, like, even when the green flag pit stops are coming, you guys are, like, running to opposite end. Like, it's crazy to watch. See, Chase is starting a negotiation for me right now. How hard we work, we run around. You guys are pure athletes. He didn't say you did it. He just said that spotting. Oh, I do it. it. We all do it. Hey, I've got some spotting experience. It's tough. What's, where'd you spot at? I used to spot for Brian Keselowski in Arca. Oh, wow. Nice. Yeah. I like Brian's personality. I don't know him that well. TJ probably does through Brad, but like I like his personality on social media. He I doesn't like give Brian. two No, he, he does, does not. not care what he types. No, not at and all. I, it's and awesome. I, and he, he probably don't care um, what anyone else says to him either. He's a, he's a pretty big boy. I wouldn't um, fight Brian. No, I don't. <laughs> Brian's uh, him and Brad opposite end of the spectrum. <laughs> Yeah, I did Brian in 2014 and 15. He ran, like, uh, the Pro Cup stuff in the ARCA, and I would go spot for him. Like, How'd you do? We ran – I was actually decent, he said. He said I could do it if I wanted to. <laughs> the only problem was I wouldn't clear it if it was tight. Like, I would just – still there inside. I was not going to be the guy – especially when Bob hey, Keselowski's the crew chief, you're not going <laughs> to be able to – Hey, near, near and clear sound a lot alike. Just, just yeah, go with it. That's true. <laughs> We should have won one race at Motor Mile. We had a green-white checkered, and Brian started on the outside, and I, I was not brave enough. It was maybe by an inch. He was clear. I didn't have the heart to do it. It's time for Chase to answer our offer pad questions of the week in rapid-fire style. All right, Chase, first question. When did you build, or was your home built? Uh, I didn't build it. I bought it. I bought it in 2018, right at the very end of the year. All right, what's your favorite room slash spot in your house? Probably where I'm at right now is uh, it's kind of like my my game room where I have the simulator. So probably probably this room. All right. If you were to build or buy a new house with a different feature than your current house, what would it be? I'd have a pool. Definitely a pool. What room besides your bedroom do you spend the most time in? Oh, uh, living room, hundred mm. percent. Garage or no garage? I got a garage. I don't use it. I don't work on anything. <laughs> you yeah. keep that hibachi in there. Yeah, I keep the hibachi in there. <laughs> uh, is your kitchen typically kept clean or messy? Oh, it's clean. My wife's a clean freak. Same. My wife will kill me. Uh, do you make your bed in the morning? No, but she does. <laughs> oh, you trained her well, buddy. I'm proud of you. <laughs> uh, when you come home and just need to sit down, what's your go-to spot? couch it's getting bad it's starting to squeak like i've I broke it in real nice i've got i got my <laughs> there's like an indent in the arm of my couch for my fat ass sitting on all for yeah, the last Freddy, good months. thing your couch can sit six more of you <laughs> thank god i can move around i gotta rotate all right last one man if you were to sell your house who would you sell your house through trick question offer pad 
Obviously. You win answer. something. <laughs> we'll send him a T-shirt. <laughs> uh, all right, man. Thanks a lot for coming on with us, man. We, uh, we, you know, we wish you luck tonight, and uh, I don't think I'm going to win this one, so you can get it. Who are you guys spotting for? I'm the only one working tonight. These lazy <laughs> taking the night off. I got, got? Je- I got Jeffrey Earnhardt. I'll try and get it. Oh, you know, damn, we didn't. We should have talked about me stuffing you in the wall with Garrett last week, last year, but we, we can get still a talk to about do it. <laughs> yeah, you wrecked no. somebody, Freddie. That's a surprise. Well, Garrett, he was the one leading when Garrett run the leaders in the fence last year. Oh, and you didn't tell him they were coming outside. Yeah, I didn't mention that. Yeah, he said said Spotter never told him they were coming. Yeah, he said yeah. it on TV, Chase. That's 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 kind of <laughs> why I don't do that car no more. Well, I do the car now. Different driver. You want me to give you a new contract too? I forgot about that. Well, you're still hired. I mean, if, if you can get me anywhere. Yeah. If I would have won that race, I wouldn't have had to go through all that off-season worries. <laughs> Thanks, Freddie. Yeah, my bad. Way to go, man. Oh, yeah. Right. Well, listen, we know you're busy. We know you got a busy week. Obviously, racing Charlotte tonight, racing Bristol this weekend. And thanks for jumping on, man. We were uh, – a lot of people – we're pulling for you last weekend, and it was cool as hell to see you beat one of the best and to see you win at a place like Darlington after going through. Man, this this quarantine has sucked for NASCAR and for NASCAR fans, so it's good to see us back on the track, good to see you winning races. And, man, we wish you the best and, and want to see you around here for a long time. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Yeah. Go fire up that hibachi grill you got. Oh, it's it's going to happen at some point. It's awesome. 250 bucks at Lowe's. Greatest thing I've ever done in my life. I miss hibachi. We used to go there every week. I told Marissa we're gonna have to start doing takeout like fifteen ninety nine. Like you can come get whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, I will gladly be a customer. Yeah, steak and shrimp's gonna be a little extra. It's like every three four days he's out in his driveway with all them bowls full of stuff. I mean, I'm writing for the Japanese volcanoes and stuff, man. I haven't got. I can do the heart, and I can't do anything else. I can't do the volcano. Or anything. Can you do the heartbeat? I do the rice heartbeat. That's it. Can you do the like oh, shrimp yeah. flipping thing? The I like. Can't do any of that. Can you crack the egg with the thing? Yeah. I mean, are you? No, I get it spinning real quick, but I can't do anything after that. <laughs> Flip it up. Yeah. Hey, well, don't spin tonight. Good luck, brother. Yeah. See you guys. Thanks. What is OfferPad? Well, put simply, we're your online home buyer. OfferPad is the modern home selling solution with a personalized human touch that lets you skip all the traditional headaches. We buy your home from you so you can move forward the moment you're ready. We've had the pleasure of helping thousands of happy home sellers, and we'd love to help you. Getting started is easy. Go to OfferPad.com, enter basic information about your home, and the next day, we'll send you a great offer. It's free, and there's no obligation. Why is OfferPad the better way? Because we give you what traditional selling can't, certainty and control. Selling to OfferPad means no showings, you pick your closing day, and we'll even move you locally for free. We have a 94% satisfaction score and a A-plus BBB rating for a reason. It truly is a better way. So start thinking about where you want to live next. Get excited about making that move. With OfferPad, you're sold. Go to OfferPad.com and request your free purchase offer today. OfferPad, move freely. First topic, spot on, spot off. Chase Elliott not penalized after approaching the racing surface to flip Kyle Busch off after being wrecked at Darlington. Brett, this one's for you. Why do we have rules? And in any other sport where 
a rule is broken and it's played on television and the decision doesn't have to be made for 48 hours as to whether or not this guy gets a penalty. Look, do I like do I like Chase Elliott flipping off Kyle Busch? Absolutely. Do I like the drama behind that? Absolutely. But it clearly states we can't get out of our cars anymore and go toward the racing surface. We can only get out of our cars if our safety is in jeopardy, which basically means our car is either smoking or it's on fire. So he got out of the car, he went toward the racing surface, and he flipped the guy off. I'm sorry. Spot off. That should have been a penalty. I'm spot on because I know how much I use this same gesture in the spotter stand, and if it gets caught on television, I don't want to. I don't want to deal with any kind of fine. But like to Brett's point, I don't. The, he shouldn't be in trouble for the gesture. It should be the fact that he went out towards the racetrack, which we, you know, we obviously seen a pretty big situation with that a few years ago, and. Uh, you know, I, if there's going to be a penalty, it should be for walking away from your car, not directly to the ambulance, not so much the fine. I mean, the, I'm not so much a gesture. These guys are using this gesture probably at least twice a lap in some cases, you know. So, I mean, I don't think you're going to find a guy for telling somebody they're number one, but, but you know, for the safety of the drivers and stuff, you don't want them walking out towards the racetrack. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know. Um, I'm uh, spot on because <laughs> it was entertaining and we need stuff like that in our sport. Uh, these guys are racing, man. It's not, you know, there's a lot of times there's too much of the, and people get mad at racing, you know, um, the week, um, the week I missed the podcast there, you know, Brett's complaining about racing hard. You know, this is a racetrack. We're here to race. And if you want, you know, our sports build off of, guys having run-ins and stuff you don't get run-ins by here you go go by go ahead by me you know kyle did misjudge it and stuff but this is this fueled the whole week building up to this i mean this this and then chase was gonna win the race you know gonna the ultimate the ultimate payback at kyle look i beat you which i don't agree with that either but um I, I'm in, you know, as well as I do, the bottom at Darlington where Chase had stopped down by the wall to where the cars actually run is probably a good, uh, Pageland country mile. You know, it's probably a, from Brett's house to the country store, how far that is away. Cars spin out down there in the bottom of turn one and two. And we honestly can't see them sometimes they're so low there. So it's not like Chase went up to the racing groove where they were at. And the, you know, this, this role was brought into, um, you know, brought to our sport from nothing that happened in our sport either. Nothing had happened, um, you know, and I don't really know. I get it, you know, there should be a penalty if you run out. I, I think the penalty should be relaxed a little bit where if you if you run out into the racing groove, I got a problem with that. Or get near the racing groove, yeah, I got a problem with it. But if you want to, when a guy comes by, clap at him or, or tell you know, show your displeasure with him, I, I that should be able to be done, man. I mean, that's what... Fans love to see guys angry, love to see emotion, and that's what you get to see. I'm not saying anybody needs to be out in the racing, you know, when the cars are moving and stuff like that. But if a guy wants to walk out and go by, you know, he should be able to. That's the only – he's basically – I mean, it's just emotion. That's what people love to see, and um, in my opinion, anyway. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is you just – you're you know, the rules in place to protect these guys from themselves because of that emotion. You know what I mean? If you – if you're not thinking rationally, you know, like was it this race last year or maybe it was the all-star race where Clint's over there punching Ryan in the head 45 times, you know, you're not, it's, you're not really thinking rationally when something like that happens. You're seeing red, you know, I'm sure Chase was ready to kill Kyle. Obviously he showed restraint and not running out on the racetrack, which he did move up, you know, 
I felt you know high enough to where it could put the rule in question. But you know, this rule's in place to protect these guys from themselves. I think. Hey, it's either a rule or it ain't a rule. You either enforce it or you don't enforce it. If We've the situation never had is flipped, if this situation is flipped, and this is Kyle Busch that walks toward the racetrack, our fan base is going to be furious because he's the villain. Because it's the most popular driver, everybody's like, "Oh man, this is cool." The reality is, you're not supposed to leave your car and go toward the other cars that are on the racetrack. We don't know if Kyle Busch is mad at him from something earlier. Maybe Kyle comes and swerves at him. Well, whose fault is it then? Is it Kyle's or is Chase's? Chase isn't supposed to be in that situation, or if TJ's all excited about the fact that he, quote, wasn't on the surface, then put that in the rule. You can leave your vehicle. You can walk to the edge of the racing surface, which is the famous yellow line. Now we got a yellow line rule when guys exit the car. When, when fans get upset, when sports fans get upset, is when the, the national body is inconsistent. And that's in any sport. And if this is a rule and you have two days to enforce the rule and you say, well, we're going to let this one slide, guess what? It's freak. We got 30 more races to run this year. So what are you going to do the next guy? You got to let his slide too. I didn't see Chase Elliott get near the racing surface. So the racing surface is only two lanes wide, which is a way out by the wall. So I would read, I would read the rule and then go watch the video. I'm not saying he shouldn't, you know, I think there should be, I don't know, man. I agree. We're saving them from themselves, but we've never, I don't think we've had an issue in our series. To where, you know, um, you know uh, that was a, a circumstance that happened at a dirt track, and obviously uh, that brought this all on. And the guy was under the influence of some stuff as well, which our drivers shouldn't be anything like that. So, then take it out of the rule book. Let them run around on the track and do cartwheels and back handsprings. But it's in the rule book; you can't do that. Next topic: Denny Hamlin says that if he gets flipped off, he'll send a driver around in the next corner. Spot on, spot off, Freddie. Spot off. He ain't gonna do nothing. How about you, TJ? I'm spot off, man. I mean, like Freddie said, these guys use hand gestures a lot. Yeah, sometimes, sometimes people use it more than others, um, and some people don't like it. But you know, I don't. I don't know. I think uh, I'm spot off, man. When did he say this? Where did he say this? He said this on a Barstool podcast last week. Yeah, I mean, look, man, uh, I think displeasure is a part of racing. I mean, we ran up on the 15 car yesterday. who was, I think, already 80 laps down. We were on, like, lap 90, and uh, he completely took away our racing line. And if I'd have been Clint, I'd have flipped him off. And, uh, I mean, I think, you know, you hate to say it, but road rage is kind of part of our sport, part of our culture. I mean, I would hate to know how many middle fingers fly in a race, Freddie. I'm going to guess 100 between the 40 guys and a 400-lap race. Like, I mean, you know, Denny's, Denny's saying he ain't going to put up with it, but the reality is he ain't going to do nothing. Yeah, it's way more than 100, I bet. I mean, it's, I guarantee it happens probably once a lap out of one car. You know what I mean? Like, these guys, especially with the way the lap cars race you or guys race each other now because they have to race hard. You know, I'm sure it's happening at least once a lap, maybe once every two laps. And now you're talking about 200 to 300, 400 times a race. I mean, it's it's the only way you could show displeasure. I think there's a difference in if Freddie and I are racing each other and Freddie's being a complete idiot and I flip him off once I finally clear him versus if two guys are racing each other hard, beating and banging, and they're both getting mad at each other and then 
one of them flips each other off. I could see some retaliation coming at that point, right? I mean, we're all we've all been down the interstate before doing nothing wrong and get flipped off and be like, "What? What's that guy flipping me off?" Then we've also been going down the interstate when somebody cuts us off, and the next thing you know, we're speeding up beside of them. Then they flip us off. Now we're really mad, right? So I think it's situational. I mean, these guys are using flipping people off that they like. I'm sure Bubba and Blaney flip each other off. For nothing, you know what I mean? Like joking, you know what I mean? Or or the shock or whatever. But I mean, these this is all these guys do out there. It's the only way you can show displeasure with another guy is by flipping them off. There's no way to like, what do you do? Shake your fist at him or something? Like you know, it's, it's the only way you can tell this guy you're pissed off while you're for four hours. Casey, how do you tell somebody you're not happy with them? Uh, I haven't really had that situation unless it's you gotta Chad next. I, uh, you gotta Chad. I, I can tell you right now, I can see you just. Well, with Chad, it's a little bit yeah. different because obviously we're married. Oh, really? Casey, when's the last time you were driving your car and you flipped somebody off? Last night. Uh, no, I haven't gone anywhere in forever except the grocery store. Uh, uh, that's not true. Saw pictures. Of what? My in law's house? We're not getting into this, okay? Uh, I would say. Maybe driving to work in the morning during rush hour on 77. It's probably the worst. But I have don't... You flip, have you ever flipped somebody off? I try not to, no. Try that not wasn't to. the question. That, that I have on occasion. I have on occasion, I will Jeez. admit. What? It's normal. You're too little to be flipping people off. I know. It, there's. I mean, is it usually other women or other men? I don't know. I, oh, the one thing I hate doing off. is honking. I hate honking at people. I can't do it. So I don't know why. I just don't like honking. What if you get honked at, lights flashed at you, and get flipped off? Yeah. That's when you know you did something good. <laughs> that's when you drive That's when you drive the guy into the ditch. Yeah. That's when you ride with me. <laughs> yeah, that is a fact. Yeah, that sounds like something that would happen to Brett. There's been multiple times me and Brett are riding around, the car goes in park, and Brett gets out, and I don't know what the hell's going on. <laughs> I, hey, I... Don't get on my ass. If you ride my ass for no reason, it drives me nuts. Yeah, Speed we're up. stopping. <laughs> I slam on brakes, then I get out of the car. Of course you do. Freddie's seen it happen. I'm on my phone. <laughs> like we're, I'm on my phone. Just you know, he's driving. I'm on my phone hanging out. Next thing I know, like he's, you know, what's this, what's this idiot doing? And I'm not paying anything. I don't know what he's doing. Next thing I know, stop. Brett's gone. I'm still. I'm like, holy, shit, where'd he go? All right. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'll just keep an eye on this from over here. So if anybody sees a threat on the road, just make sure you honk the at Irish him. Bloodline, the Irish bloodline in me comes out. My blood starts What pulling. do you do? You walk back there. Excuse me, sir. Do you mind backing up a little bit? That's not what he said. It was not like that. <laughs> <laughs> I could hear him from the car still. All right, next topic. The inverted lineup used for the, was used for the first time in one, on Wednesday at Darlington and will be used again at Charlotte. What are your thoughts? Spot on, spot off, TJ. I don't know. I, we got qualifying in. I think you have to do the invert maybe one more time to keep it right with the, the flow of things. But after that, I think if you're qualifying, why not just qualify for these races again? I mean, there's we could show up and qualify and run just like we did before, and then you earn your starting spot now. I think you see yesterday why you don't want to qualify. You know, the, the, the trying to save these guys money, you don't want to bring in a backup car, and 21 had to go to a backup car. The 10 spun out and almost had to go to a backup car. Um, so I think that's why you're trying not to qualify. I think yesterday was crown jewel event. You don't want to you don't want to base your lineup for that off of the week before if a guy wrecked or blew up or something. Now you're going to start a guy last. I think it was a pretty good – 
you know, deal at um, Darlington, where, you know, you've seen Priest up there for a little while. Ty Dillon was up there for a little while, helped track position, probably helped Clint. You know, Clint really, I mean, how many stage wins do you have, Brett, to, to where now you've got track position and you check out and win two stages in a row? So, you know, you know, I think it'll play an even bigger role on Wednesday, how hard it was to pass. Obviously, it shook out. Looks like it's going to be Byron and Bowman on the front row in some fashion now that old Jimmy Johnson got disqualified. I don't know if you saw that, Brett. I don't, I don't know if you were paying attention. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so I think it'll play a bigger factor at Charlotte than it did at, at Darlington, just for the fact that we talked about how easy the cars are driving, how hard it was to pass. You might see some guys like Michael McDowell hang on for a little while in the top 10, and with a shorter race, it could shake the lineup up quite a bit. I am spot off on inverting the lineup. I'm a bigger fan of drawing a pill for the top 20 guys. Make it completely random. You know, uh, I, I, I mean, to Freddie's point, man, you're sitting there 20th. All of a sudden, you got the lead. You're gone. William Byron's at a huge advantage for stage one. Could potentially, especially at a short race, man, could potentially carry into uh, to stage two. And, and I feel like, I mean, you look at Xfinity Series, you know, they took the top 12 and did a pill draw. Ross Chastain drew the pole for the night's race. Like, I, I don't know, man. I just kind of like that better than I do the invert. I think it's still way better than doing points, though, regardless. Yeah, I think you could I, – I would like to see them. You know, Bowman Gray is obviously called the Madhouse. The place is packed every week when they were racing down here. And what they do is, you know, they have twin races for their premier divisions every night. And the, the um, winner in victory lane draws a pill, and that's what they invert. You know, they, it goes from whatever, like 6 to 16 or something like that. And 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 he has, and you can work that into your victory lane celebration, start finish line. All right, here's the bucket, Brad. You you pick a number out, and that's where you're starting on Sunday or Wednesday. You know, so then it's, it changes it up, so where you can't manipulate it. Maybe you know, I thought maybe I saw some guys falling back at uh, the first Darlington race towards you know the 18th, 20th spot to give up a couple points to maybe start in the front row on Wednesday. So Speak, speaking of Brad, TJ, you didn't get to see this. Casey, I'm, I don't know if you were still awake at this point, but Brad's victory lane interview or his victory interview, he looks at his race car and Miller Lite's been a part of Roger Penske's organization for a long time. He looks at his race car and he says, we don't know if Miller Lite's coming back or not. This is their only primary this year. I found that odd just because we don't know if Brad's coming back next year either. Yeah, I don't know. Um, that car is kind of iconic. You know, Brad's known that car, the two cars, Miller Lite car, most, you know, that's what I, re- if I think of that car, that's the first thing that I think of. Uh, that goes back even before Brad. Yeah, really? It Rusty. Yeah, yeah it goes all the way back for. to Rusty. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, hopefully, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, there's a lot of decisions to be made. I'm sure everyone, nobody, I haven't heard anything about Brad or, or, um, you know, none of the dominoes have started to fall yet in that in that department. But um, yeah, the I Miller Genuine Draft car went to the Miller Light car, and there's if there's two or three things that I know race fans like to drink, it's Miller Light, Bud Light, and Bush Light. How in the world can Miller, if you drink Miller Light, you should be mad that Miller Light is leaving, can potentially leaving this sport? Like fans should speak up. I mean, what a great demographic. It. Uh, I mean, Casey said she used to work on this program. Like, man, it's heartbreaking to see a company like that cut back. Yeah, Dog Tree Dave's going to be and Dog Tree Dave's going to be in a bad shape here. If, if I will say, beer. I will say, like, you know, Budweiser. I think they weren't necessarily the most prominent brand for a while. Like, they kind of backed off a little bit of NASCAR 
with NASCAR and focused on other sports. And I think that's probably what Miller Lite is exploring right now, where I know Coors Light did the same thing when they left and I was on that program too. Um, They shifted their focus to other demographics or other sports, things like that. I mean, I don't see how they could possibly leave a, a sport that, I mean, is, is, there's a lot of beer in this sport, whether it be at the track or in promotional opportunities. And I don't see them leaving in its entirety, but like, I, I feel like there's definitely some things that they're probably exploring and also looking at how much Bush has stepped up too. It's probably tough to balance that out since it's really overpowered by Bush at this point. This is a great series um, sport for, like you said, for people that like to get together with their friends and enjoy a weekend a race racing events and enjoy the beverages like that so um and i think i think mother light has done a great job over the years doing different promotions and stuff um you know uh definitely an iconic name in the sport spot on spot off joey gase saves the 600 how about you brett Oh, Joey Gase, my man. So Freddie and I were texting about how hard he was actually, Freddie was behind the wall and I was, uh, I was back at home and Freddie and I were texting about how you absolutely could not pass for the lead. Like it may be two weeks from now before we see a pass for the lead. All of a sudden, Joey Gase pulls up in front of Alex Bowman. He couldn't be more in the way. Martin Truex drives right by him and takes the lead. So Joey Gase was making himself relevant there. And then at the end of the race, man, this thing is over. Uh, it looks like that uh, we're not going to see any more crazy drama. And all of a sudden, Joey Gase, about 30 miles an hour off pace, spins out, changes the whole dynamic. Obviously, later, William Byron chases his own teammate, cuts a tire to cost him the win. But it all started with Joey Gase. Uh, spot off. Get out. What the f- are you doing? We're I'm back talking right about now. guys that are completely irrelevant. F- this race up. I'm telling you right now, if I am Joey Gase, I am buying Quinn Huff tires for the rest of his career because as long as Quinn Huff is on the racetrack, Joey Gase is only the second worst guy out there. But the two of them need to probably reevaluate what the hell they're doing because neither one of them belong on a racetrack right now. Yeah, uh, it's really hard to get out of the way sometimes, but some of these guys continuously make it super hard on everyone and themselves and put themselves in trouble. With this, you're racing so hard. And you're you you fight so hard to get the track position that you get, and you know it didn't hurt me, but for a guy like that was leading the race to come up on a guy like that, and it really matters where you catch him. This is such a momentum racetrack. It, it's almost easier to you know if your car is not handling and you're running the you're running the second lane and you have to lift still, you're really gonna bone the guy behind you if he catches you at the right spot of the track, which I'm guessing is what happened. Um, you know, and it's not, it's just, man, I hate to say it's not, it's not really fair, but, um, it's stupid. Just just don't be that guy. You know, if you're going to be in the way on the exit of the corner, just run the bottom. So the guy can carry momentum around the outside of you and you don't, you don't cost him the lead. We lost two spots because we caught a lap car off a turn four and he decided to just race us. I mean, just no reason. 16 laps down. Um, couldn't give us three foot off the corner. Had to stay in it so he could get that photo down the front stretch for their wall or something. Um, you know, just don't be that guy. You know, I'm not. I'm not. There's a time to race and a time not to race. And I realize you got to try to get everything you can, but 
realistically when the next car behind you is a lap, not even on your lap or not even within a straightaway of you, does it really hurt you to give up a car length? So the guy, that's what I wonder, TJ. That's what I wonder. What do they get for information? I saw Tom Legerman yesterday, right before the race, who spots for the double zero. When Chase Elliott wrecked at Darlington, when he was wrecked by Kyle Busch at Darlington, there was about five seconds where guys had an opportunity in the back. Because, I mean, you got to realize Chase Elliott's running freaking second or third right there. And when he gets wrecked, the guy in the back is a straightaway back. He's got a lot of time to react. And the double zero, once we got to Chase Elliott, absolutely just demolishes Clinton the left rear. And so I saw his spotter yesterday, and I was like, hey, remind your dumbass driver when they start wrecking to get out of the gas, get on the brake pedal, slow down, don't be in a hurry to get to the scene of the accident. Oh, man, you know, I wish you had more experience. And I'm like, it ain't about experience. It's about common sense. And when you're talking about guys racing in front of the leaders like that, it's it's about being aware. It's about getting out of the gas and getting the out of the way. Yeah. First thing we always say is check up. First thing we always say is, all right, check it up, check it up, check it up, check it up. So, like, the first thing we all say when we see a wreck. BJ McLeod should have a lap car seminar because I feel like that guy is out on the racetrack and you never know he's out there. He never wrecks his race cars. Like, he's never, like, the guy that's in the way. I mean, you see it in Xfinity. You see it in Cup. Like, he, he just know he's a racer. You know, he's a super late model racer from Florida that I grew up racing. A really good, a really good really, super late model Really, I mean, badass racer. super late model driver. Um and, and now he's, you know, he's, he's turned this into a business where he's making money. He's renting out rides when he gets a job, you know, he gets a shot to drive Johnny Davis's car and whatever. I hope he Danny off. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he looks like somebody you're not going to want to mess with. Him and his wife, like, they could both beat my ass. I can promise you that much. But, like, he's never in the way. You know, you never know he's on a racetrack. We never talk about him on here because he's always just the guy that roll, you know, live, lets you have the exit or... Or, you know, he's just, he doesn't wreck his car running 15 laps down, cause a caution for no reason. So, I mean, these guys could learn a lot by just going and talking to BJ. Yeah, this all goes back to what, what Brett says. I'd say majority of it is what Brett said. What info are they getting? Hey, the leaders are coming. They're running the bottom. You know, try not to try to let them go in the middle of the corner um, so he can so that you don't hold them up on the exit. Because you hold the leader up or whoever up on exit, the guy behind him is going to have a huge run. And pass both of you, and that's unless you're planning on holding that guy up the next time he comes by you. That's not really fair yeah. to do. You know this what I mean? Package. We're all we're racing so hard to get to where you're at, and to have have someone just stay in it, you know, and not have the. I don't even know if they know what car's coming. That's why I can't really hundred percent blame the driver all the time. If you don't know what's coming and you don't have a lot of awareness, like you, they might not be able to tell what car's coming in the mirror. You know, I don't know how good they can see or whatever, but or they. Shoot, some of these guys, they probably sneak up on pretty quick. So, um, you know, he might just be hearing, hey, we got one ten back, five, you know what I mean? Not like, hey, you got fifth-place car coming. He's got sixth place right on him. Let's try to help these guys out a little bit, let them keep racing. Not, hey, let's race this first guy to the corner so the guy can get a run and pass him. And we all, it helps their, it helps passing, but, I mean, it's really not. That's not how you want to get passes. Yeah, this the way I'll this package it. is. <laughs> if you if you have to lift in this package, it's not like you know. All right, well, this guy's getting. It's a lap. It's at least a lap before you're getting back up to speed and, and getting your thing wound up. You know, just because you had to check up a little bit for a guy that wasn't going to give you a couple feet off the corner. So it plays a lot bigger yeah. role than even just the guy behind you catching you. You're, you're setting yourself up. If there's a line back there, you're going to lose five or six spots just by having to correct the throttle one time. Yeah, if the car starts with the number five, it's probably not going to check up off the corner. <laughs> 
let's see who's Xfinity fast with this segment of the podcast presented by Xfinity premier partner NASCAR and our podcast. Just a reminder of the rules. You'll get six questions to answer and 10 seconds to respond to each. Question number that means when the buzzer goes off after 10 seconds, you stop talking. Yeah. Just Should I say that again like five more times so that you guys can get it right? Hey, I'm a, I'm gonna, a rule follower. Still not going to work. Freddie is the best at it, I would say. I can't hear. Sorry. Your dinger sucks. You need a bigger dinger. <laughs> Just play with it. First question. Casey, move on. A battle of track position versus fresh tires developed on Sunday at Charlotte. On a restart, would you rather have track position or four fresh tires? TJ. Man, I don't know. This is a really tough question. I mean, uh, all right, track position. Right. Really tough. Just, really tough Just question. imagine you're about to take a test in college and you already have the answers right in front of you. You had Joey Logano show you to stay out. You have Bowman show you to take two and be on the front row. You're already on the front row and you say, and I don't want to be on the front row. I'm going to pit. Yes, track position. Freddie? Um, I mean, it's track by track basis, but last night was obviously a track position. You know, you don't want track position last week. You want tires. This week you want track position. Question number two. Austin Dillon suggested using a choose cone for restarts after Darlington. Would you like to see the choose cone rule implemented? Freddie. No. I think choose cone is too confusing for the fans. I think you need to do a rule where if the leader takes the top, all the odd cars go to the top. If the leader takes the bottom, all the odd number cars go to the top. The, the odd number cars should line up whatever lane the leaders do, kind of like the World Outlaws. TJ? Uh... Man, Austin must listen to this show because we've suggested this many times already. Thanks for listening, Austin. I think the choose uh, the choose cone's a great idea. I mean, it's not that hard to figure out. You cross the finish line, you pick top or bottom, you line up. I mean, who, the fans don't need to figure that out. The drivers pick their lane and they go. Fans have been tweeting to me saying, what is a choose cone? What it is is exactly kind of what TJ said. You get to the cone and you pick inside or outside. If the four guys in front of you all pick the top, you get to shoot the bottom and go up there and, and, and restart in front of them. They have the preferred line, but you have a chance to improve your position. At Darlington, at Bristol, hell yeah, man, let's try it. Why not? After chasing Kyle's run in that Darlington, which two cup drivers do you think would be best to engage in an Earnhardt-Gordon-style rivalry from the 90s in today's cup series? Brett. You're going to think I'm being biased because I'm going to pick my guy, uh, Clint Boyer. No way. I also also want to pick Kyle Busch because I think you've got wild-ass, ADD, fun Clint Boyer versus Pain in the ass, whiny Kyle Bush. What a great personality conflict that would be. Remember, Gordon cried all the time, and Earnhardt was this badass. Like, you got to have those personality conflicts. Ready? I think it, I think you got to have a little more generational gap there. You know, that was the multi-time champion Earnhardt veteran versus the young snap whippersnapper there, Jeff Gordon. So I think you're looking at it's got to be Kyle. Nobody's going to every rivalry's going to start with Kyle, I think. And I think it's got to be a young guy. Chase is probably the perfect example. Everybody Chase, loves Chase. He doesn't have I mean, a personality. You got to have somebody with some personality. He got to flip the guy off last week. He wanted to fight Denny last year. He's got personality when he needs it. Punch him in the mouth. TJ. Um, I do like the uh, – it needs to be somebody hard-nosed, um, and I think we haven't seen it in a long time, but I think Kevin Harvick, if you get him riled up, 
Uh, he's pretty entertaining, but it needs to be, uh, you know, a Kevin Harvick and, and somebody younger, you know, um, somebody fast. And I hate to say it, but, you know, a guy, a guy like Chase or, or, or um, um, like Brett said, though, Chase doesn't, he, I wish he would talk a little bit more about it, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I hate to stop the show right here. I know this is fast lane and everything. Brett's got to pee. Well, what, but, but what happened to Kevin Harvick, <laughs> TJ? Like, it's like all of a sudden a switch went off in Kevin's head, and he was like, I'm done with all this drama off the track. I'm going to show up. I'm going to race. I'm going to do my job, and I'm going to go home. I don't want to be in scuffles with Greg Biffle. I don't want to be in the middle. I don't want to. Remember, he parked. He got suspended at Martinsville for parking his truck at the back of the NASCAR trailer. They kicked him out of the cup race the next day. Like, do you think he just felt realized I don't want to spend any more money on fines, or did he say, "What well, did he mature?" Like the the guy you're just talking about is the guy we need in this sport right now. I think he just um, matured, man. I mean, I think he got you know they all these guys all we watched all these guys grow up, you know, and I hate to say it, but it kind of showing our age a little bit in this stuff. But you know, back we've we've got pictures of Dale Jr. flipping Robbie Gordon off, and you know, and. Um, it was a pretty common thing for guys to be heated and stuff, but there was definitely, I feel like, more contact back then in the cars. There was more contact on the racetrack. Cars were harder to drive. Um, but, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I think You guys I think, want Chase Elliott for flipping a bird. I want Clint Boyer throwing haymakers. Like For what, I one like year? This. How long is Clint going to be around I, for? You need a rivalry. <laughs> well, if he wins some damn races, man, Matt Kenseth is 47. How long is Matt going to be around? <laughs> Clint's only 40. Ancient. Yeah. I'll tell I'm you sorry, what. Casey. I interrupted fast lane, but I, I, TJ actually brought up a good point on this show, so we had to stop and take a moment and honor him. We will have more rivalries when these cars are harder to drive, and these guys make mistakes, and they get into each other a little bit more. That's when they get mad. That's whenever things happen. We don't. It's hard to happen. It's going to happen far less in between when these guys have complete control of their cars. You hate to say it's hard to wreck, but it's hard to wreck. I mean, Jimmy Johnson last night coming off, too, he scared me. I thought he was wrecking. There was a point, TJ, where Joey was completely wrecking out of control. Alex Bowman wrecking out of control. None of them spun out. When they're spinning out, they're going to get mad. Yeah, Bowman, great save by Bowman. He was sliding sideways, and I watched it because he was behind, right behind us, and he was in a I mean, four-wheel drift off the corner and saved it. Um, Still so much downforce that allowed him to did, save it. Did you guys yeah. see the video of Reddick? And Kenseth Pitton, that was a hell of a save. Like, I don't know how the hell that didn't wreck four cars. Yeah. Scary. Are we ready to go back to fast lane? We're back. Since Kyle Busch ran all Darlington races last week and will do the same again at Charlotte this week, does he have an advantage with the additional track time? Uh, absolutely. He's going to, we're going to see where the, uh, the PJ one goes and he's going to know it, how it feels before anybody. Um, Kyle's a racer, man. I give it to Kyle for running that many races. Um, he puts himself in seats as many times as he can. Huge advantage to a guy that's already talented to a guy that's already in elite equipment. It's unfortunate for the rest of the field in Xfinity race and the truck race that he's allowed to run the cup race before getting in those, those vehicles. It'll help him more probably in the truck race than any of the others, but Kyle Busch doesn't need any damn advantages, and here he is with, with several. Yeah, it's a huge advantage for the best Xfinity Series driver in history, Brett, don't you think? <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, the guy just ran 400 laps there last night, and these guys haven't seen the track in a year. So, huge advantage. Hey, I will say that uh, during the quarantine stuff, when we had that iRacing League, 
I get a message from Kyle. Hey, man, I want to – can I run in your league that you got? I just want to get more laps and, and run some more races so I can get a little bit better at it and stuff. I mean, the guy, the guy's putting the time in. He wants, he's, you know, wants to race. So definitely going to – So you spent four years learns, on this show not liking Kyle Busch, but now that he wants to talk to you about iRacing, y'all are BFFs. Doesn't mean I, doesn't mean I, <laughs> doesn't mean I like the guy, but I will give him – you know, if there's a race Kyle can be in, he's in it. Jason, send, send TJ your pajamas for next week's show. Of course. I don't even own them anymore, so I'll have to go buy them back. You'll look cute with M&Ms on your chest. I really find that hard to believe, Jason. Hashtag bromance. <laughs> Question number five. Drivers, including Dale Earnhardt and Rusty Wallace, have won their first career cup races at Bristol. After Matt DiBenedetto nearly joined the list last August, which driver has the best chance to score their first career cup race on sunday how about you freddie i can't believe they didn't say elliot sadler got his first career cup win at bristol jason you what the <laughs> are you not paying attention to history i was part of that wow uh, i mean it's hard in to, the as, face as, as as good as matt's been there in every car he's ever driven even the bk cars it's hard to pick anybody but matt d benedetto <laughs> tj um, I, I'm Matt. TJ's contractually choice. obligated to pick Matt. I got. I think Matt's a solid choice. He runs good there, and he'll probably have a fast car. But um, I got to roll with a guy like that. I think's been just kind of hanging out there and showing a lot of promise. I got to go with Tyler Reddick. It used to be that if you ran good at Darlington, you could take that car to Bristol and run good at Bristol as well. I don't know with this new downforce motor crap we got going on. I don't know what's what, but to me. Reddick had a really impressive race at Darlington the first time there. Man, we went back around that night race. He was really nowhere to be found. But but I look at him. But here's the thing. Christopher Bell better get on somebody's radar, and he better do it quick. So I'll go with Bell. Dang. Times five. So I can't hear good. We need to cut yours to five seconds. How about you get a dinger that works? I heard it. I can't have my ears. You want to see my hearing test results? I, I can verify they suck. Off the wall question. Tom Brady and Peyton Manning played golf with Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson on Sunday. If you could play a sport for fun with one of the greatest to ever play that sport, who would you play with? And that has to be non-racing. Brett. Um, This is a really easy choice for me. I'm playing with Gronk. He looks like he'd be really, really fun. What are you you going to do with him? Try to tackle him? What it's what does it say drink. we can do? We can it you says we can play a sport. It says play a sport for fun. It didn't say I got to put on pads. Okay, it doesn't say do? which I sport. I still don't know what you throw him a pass. What are you doing? Yeah, what are you going to cover him? <laughs> beer pong. We play beer pong. That's a sport. I'm pretty sure you got to play their sport. <laughs> yeah, I could throw a f- football. That's fine. Let's play football. <laughs> TJ. Uh you know, since he was in that, I'd like to go and. Um, you know, the obviously I'm a Buffalo Bills fan, and they were really great in the early '90s. But I think it'd be really awesome to go catch a, catch some passes from Jim Kelly. Ready? I'd like to try and get a hit off of Randy Johnson. That looked like the scariest thing I could think of in sports with that guy that's eight feet tall throwing a ball 100 miles an hour at your head. Defense. He was left-handed too, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> it looked like he could reach out and just hand the ball to the catcher. That's a good question. About time. No kidding. <laughs> I work really hard these days. You're kind of going Amish Josh on us with these Makes questions. Makes up for that Denny Hamlin flipping off question. 
Thomas Josh texted me happy birthday the other day. I hadn't talked to that guy in forever. Well, he doesn't have electricity. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The Xfinity Series returns this week at Charlotte and Bristol, where we'll see if more young talent like Noah Gregson, Chase Briscoe, and Harrison Burton can continue winning this season. Be sure to keep up with the action by following at Xfinity Racing on social media. Hell yeah, man. Watch the race this weekend on FS1 at 3.30 from Bristol. Man, we got some great news here, Door Bumper Clear fans. There's a new line of Dirty Mo merchandise available now for you to buy and sport the Dirty Mo brand. That's right. Go to DirtyMoMedia.com, select the Dirty Mo Media gear tab, and when you check out, use code DBC10, DBC10, to get 10% off your order. Get your gear now. Did you get that tattoo that everybody got in the brand? When, when I, Dirty Mo came out, there was this Dirty Mo posse. There's all this DMP. Like, did you get the tattoo? I did not. I watched it. I could smell the skin burning, and I'm not doing How many it. guys do you think got that brand? Four or five. Yeah. Josh. Maybe. Did Josh Schneider get it? Yeah, the Josh is the worst one. Mitch Lash. Josh is the worst one because they did it once, and they thought they didn't do it good enough, so they heated it back up. Oh, and they did branded it him twice? Right over the old one. And you could smell it, and it was the worst thing ever, so I didn't do it. Oh, I don't blame you. Not doing it. Ask DBC. Send in your questions 24-7 on Twitter using the hashtag AskDBC. This first question is from Jacob Larson94. How much do drivers and crew chiefs rely on or trust their teammates to push them or block for them in late race restarts? How about TJ? I guess you... Always hope you have a teammate near near the end, but I mean you got to put yourself in their shoes too. They're trying to win the race for their team, but depending on the situation, you know if you have a if you have multiple wins in the bag and you got a teammate that you know doesn't have any and he's racing to get into the cha- or the playoffs, um, they're probably going to be pretty aggressive with you and and try to win, which I you expect it. But it's always good to have a teammate because you feel like you have a little more stability when it's somebody with your own company. I was I was looking forward to that last restart last night because it was, you know, a Penske car and a Hendrick car on the bottom and then a Hendrick car and a Penske car on the top. And, you know, a lot of people I've seen commenting, like, I can't believe the 88 pushed the, the two past the 48. For one, the 88 is trying to win the race. But two, if they try to play a game, it, it's just going to be the same game on the other row. So, you know, it's it's, you know, there's no advantage there. But, I mean, obviously, on a late race restart, you probably would. I'm, I was surprised, honestly, that they picked that that – Brad picked, you know, to work with the 88 versus go up with uh, Blaney. But the, I thought the bottom was better on the restart, which I'm sure is why he did it. That's why he got the lead from the 48 on the bottom. So, there, you know, obviously that's probably why he did it. But a lot of times you see that where guys will pick a lane where the re- where teammates at. And and I guess if you're we, – we did this back in the truck days. We got around Kyle one time and uh, when Bubba was running – and Kyle tried to hold up the whole field so Bubba can get away at Martin's. I mean, at uh, Homestead, and we won the race. So, you know, if, if they're in position to, they're going to help you out as much as they can. But they're also out there for themselves, one hundred percent. This happened at Talladega, Brett. Do you remember that? With uh, yeah. Del, Del Junior leading the race, we lost the race by a foot because the caution came out. Um, yeah. Jeff Gordon, I believe, was pushing Joey Logano, and Brad was pushing us. Not really, but. Um, Joey got the win because the coach came out for the three, you know, the 30 yards that he was ahead. Jacob Larson, 
I hate to tell you this, man, but the word teammates, unfortunately, and you're not the only person to do this. We do it too. These guys aren't teammates. You know, they're, they're teammates. When you look at the 14 car, teammates are the guys that are wearing the 14 apparel. When these races start, we're racing against those guys. You never compete against your teammates in sports, right? But we're racing against guys that are coming out of our same facility. So I don't know what the right word to call them is. Alex Bowman, uh, no matter who it is, they're trying to win the race. They're trying to get locked in to the playoff. They're trying to get five additional playoff points. So, so what you guys see is they got to help each other. And look, it's nice to have an alliance partner behind you. I mean, I look at Darlington last week. Um, Eric Jones made it three wide on us, and when we couldn't clear Ryan Newman, and it screwed our whole day up. The next corner, our own our own quote teammate Kevin Harvick made it three wide on us, and it actually screwed us worse than the Eric Jones deal. So, I, I think teammates is is kind of a, a weird word in this situation. But at the end of the day, when you're looking at what tend to go that last fuel window, man, you don't ever want to wreck a guy that races in the same building that you race out of, but you sure as hell want to beat him. That's what we're, that's what we all show up to do. Next one is from Chris. I, how does a, no, that's not that guy's name. It's Chris. I U P. He literally DM Jason and said to say Chris. I, well, his his Chris underscore the letter I Y O U P E. That's UP. Either way, Chris, thank uh, you for submitting a question. His question is, how does a ballast fall off a car before racing? What is it held with and where are they placed? Freddie. It falls off when you're doing some shady <laughs> is how it falls off. Because we just ran a lap around this place and it didn't fall out then. It was weird. And I got a list of stuff you could adjust from qualifying to the race. And you could adjust the track bar. You could adjust the front and rear wedge bolts. You could adjust the grill tape. You can adjust external shock adjustment. And you can adjust the bump stops. I don't see any weight adjustment on that list. So I don't understand how as soon as the 11 car rolled off pit road, all the all the ballast, you know, tungsten, whatever it is, fell out. Just I mean, you could see it. I don't know if you guys saw it when he rolled off. You guys might have been in front of him. But as he as soon as he pulled away, stuff started falling out of the bottom of the car and guys on the 18 crew were scrambling to pick it up and hoping before anybody noticed. But it turns out he just dragged it all around the whole racetrack anyway. But yeah, there was there was something shady going on there. But I, I'm not 100 percent sure on what holds it. I mean, it's in the frame rails and I'm sure that they have, you know, blocks to to hold it in place and and, and caps on there. But some some shady went on there. Yeah, I mean, I, I just um, really surprised that it qualified without it coming out, and uh, and then fell out under rolling off pit road. Um, to me, that's the I don't I don't know how that happens. Honestly, how do you go out there and run basically two laps at speed, you know, as fast as and hard as you can go? And then you come down, everything's great. You ro- you fire the car up, and you're rolling off on pit road, and it's falling out. So, I don't know. I, I mean, that's that's probably going to be a pretty hefty. Um, oh, a pretty. This hefty, is really, yeah. really. It's really, really, really dangerous, man. I mean, you take a yeah. piece of tungsten that's the size of your hand, and it can weigh forty or fifty pounds. I don't think. Like Freddie thinks something shady's going on. TJ's kind of on the fence. I don't think they're this stupid. Why would you risk? I mean, the 11's already won two races. Why would you risk doing something this stupid for a small advantage or for three, any three advantage? Three races. 
Like, it's, it's, wow. I can't believe that anybody would be this stupid. So I'm giving everybody on this team the benefit of the doubt. But it's funny this guy's asking this question, and his name is Chris IUP, because we have a very strict drug testing policy where we have to go in and pee, uh, and they check our urine for drugs. And when things like this happen, we don't even need a drug testing policy. We need guys who was putting the lead in the car of the 11 car to have to go pee because somebody is really, really stupid or they're doing something they shouldn't be doing. There's no way, Freddie, this was intentional. No, I mean, you're not. No, this was a mistake, obviously. But they had. I'm just saying that if it was going to fall out, it was going to fall out in qualifying. It was. Yeah, there's no way it just. It just slid back How there does perfectly. It fall out going down pit road. Yeah, and it doesn't somebody, fall out. Somebody at moved speed. this and forgot to put the cap back on or something. Like this. This was. This was a mistake, and they're going to pay dearly. It's going to be, you know, probably a month off for the crew chief, the car chief. The guy that worked on it. It's they just be probably, got two months off. They don't need any more time they getting off. Some, they getting some more time. They can go back to the beach. Um, you know, it's going to be a damn, probably $100,000 fine. It's probably going to be 100 points, 50, 100 points. I mean, they're going to get ready to get hammered. And it was, you know, somebody made a pretty big mistake right here. This if is this dangerous. Happens, and I, I mean dangerous, dangerous, TJ. Like, I, I, I'm talking about dangerous if we have fans in the stands. It's dangerous if you're if you're a driver behind this car that loses. I think I, I heard somebody say he lost five pieces. I saw two, right? There was, but, there was eight. But, but so, so these guys have to make weight on scales before the race starts, to, to all you listeners out there. What Freddie is accusing them of is trying to manipulate that weight after the fact, one way or the other, TJ. So, like, I don't – this was some stupid – no matter how you uh, look at this. I don't know, Freddie, because if you have eight pieces of tungsten in that lead rail, there's not much room for anything else in there. Um, I don't I don't believe so anyway. Um, but I get it. I, my question is, how does it stay in there for two solid laps at speed on the racetrack? And then you're going down pit road, not even doing 50 mile an hour, and it's just falling out like it's a, you know, uh, like it's falls out of a ball pit. Just like tumbling down. And the like you said, though. If another driver hits that, that's going to destroy their car. It, even at 30 miles an hour. It could go hour, through their windshield, TJ. At 180 miles an hour, that could go through their windshield. A piece yeah. of tungsten, if you drive, if you go to drop a piece of tungsten, it's going to smash your fingers. If you have, even if from a five, if you drop it from three inches onto your fingers, it's going to smash your fingers. It is very, very heavy and super expensive too. That's why they use it because it's, it weighs so much and you can, you know, you can get so much more weight in a smaller area, but, um, yeah, I don't, <laughs> that's, I, I'm, I'm both sides of it. I think somebody made a mistake, but I just don't understand how it all decides to roll out of there like water whenever it's on pit road. It doesn't do it under green, you know, during should the whoever made a mistake, should whoever made the mistake be fired? That's uh, not, I don't, I'm not, I don't, I don't, um, have employees, but that would not, I don't know, man. Just what if they'd be, what if they'd be right? What if they're place. trying to do something? What if the experiment didn't work? Somebody who had, okay. So 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 if that's the case, and somebody made the decision for this to happen, should that guy be fired? I don't know. How good is he? How much yeah, does he know? One hundred fifty thousand dollars good because that's what it's going to cost you. This I mean, is this he, is is this he going to go this, somewhere else and help somebody? Well. Why was Denny Hamlin allowed to race yesterday? That's what I didn't understand. Why wasn't he DQ'd right then? Did he go back over the scales and check the weight before he let him back? I mean, they made him come down pit road and fix it, but they didn't recheck his weight. You don't know what the hell they put in there. And um, 
you know, this is this is the stiffest penalty. I mean, aside from maybe messing with the motors, this is going to be the stiffest penalty we can see in our sport. I think. I mean, that that's how serious it is to you know, if somebody hits this thing, you could like you said. I mean, somebody did hit it. I think it was I think it was Joey Gates. Believe it or not, last car in line, Joey Gates. I think, hit the, I think the ten car might have got it too. Joe, the, the ten was swerving around. I don't know if he hit it, but he was swerving around pieces, rolling down the hill. But you know, I mean, it's just. I, I'm not saying that they added or I think they moved it. In my opinion, I think you know you could slide that weight in that rail. You know, you know you could move it up front and back and and make a big adjustment. And you know, adding nose weight or taking nose weight away is a big adjustment in these things. And that's what I think. I think they were just moving it. You know, trying to move it back to wherever you know benefited them from qualifying to the race, and and just made a mistake and didn't get the cap back that, on or what. I just don't. You can't move that lead, that that tungsten without taking the tire off, though. Like you can't you can't get to it to move it without some serious jacking the car up, getting in there and doing it. So I don't, well, I, I mean, oh. that's, uh, hey. I mean, you can get in trying, there and make know. a shock adjustment. I'd like to know, yeah, I, mean, I would have liked to have had a camera on the 11 pit box when they showed that replay on TV of the lead coming out of his left side frame rail. Like, I would have loved to have seen the crew chiefs and engineers and what they were doing because I bet they were like, oh. Crew chief probably just like, go. I'm going to get up and head on home. <laughs> head back to Myrtle Beach, my yeah. camper. Got time off. Woo! Drama. Like, to fans, you guys see metal rolling around. To industry and competitors, we see, like, that is as bad as it gets on, on a screw-up from a mechanical standpoint. That's not supposed to happen. That's a big, big deal. That's a no-no. That's like Michael Walter getting caught with jet fuel that time. Big, big no-no. This last question is from NASCAR-itis. What pressures do the teams face with no practice, or is it actually better? TJ. Uh, I think the new package definitely helps with, you know, these guys not having any practice. I mean, these uh, the cars are stuck to the racetrack, and, you know, they got a lot of grip no matter what right now. So even in a, re- a really ill-handling race car, we saw Matt Kenseth, be out of the seat for a while, come back to arguably one of the hardest tracks and race in the top 10 with look like he's been there all for the last year and a half. No problems at all. Um, I think, you know, these guys are professionals. They, they've done, they've ran a lot of races to get to the cup series, whether even BJ McLeod running them, he's got a lot of starts in these other series. He knows these tracks. Um, I, I just think this package benefits no practice. I mean, it, it, the old car, you had to get your stuff dialed in. You could stand on a throttle and spin the rear tire. Now now you can't do that, you know. Um, you can't turn the car with a throttle anymore like you used to be able to. Um, but definitely think the uh, the package helps these guys. And I haven't seen anybody. Yeah, there's been a few small slip-ups here and there. Guys got a little tighter, a little loose. But no, like, we don't have the guys going down into the corner and the car just swapping ends. That just doesn't happen. That used to be a thing. I, I used, I've sat in turn one in the condos there. This is probably 2002-ish. Watched guys going to turn one and just backing into the fence because they were loose in. You, I can't even tell you the last time I've seen a guy backing into the corner like that. Yeah, I mean, this the, the biggest thing they have to worry about is their, their heights, you know, and making sure the splitter's not on the ground. 
And you see, and the reason why we do it in practice, or why we have practice, is because they can push the limits and they have a chance to adjust it. The reason why you don't see any issues now is because they know they have to err on the safe side so they get their car off the racetrack a little bit and they can adjust as they go in the race. But, you know, practice just gives these guys an opportunity to push the limits as much as they can and then they can back off of that a little bit and get their heights right you know, to where they run. But you see now they just play a little bit safer because they know they don't, they don't have that opportunity to just go out there the first lap and crash the racetrack. So, you know, I, I, we don't need practice. I mean, if you want to give them a, a 20, 30-minute practice to get their heights right and, and send it, but uh, I, we're seeing right now we don't need practice. I don't know if this was relatable or not last night, but we were dragging something on the left side of our car for the whole race and unfortunately broke something in our front end, which is why Clint had that hard crash in one and two, which almost made me vomit because he hit the wall so hard. It scared me. Um, but for a race fan, uh, man, it doesn't matter if we practice or not. You guys are going to get to see the race. To me, the racing is some somewhat more exciting, more comers and goers. Uh, I think last night that was not necessarily the case given the surface. I would take dynamite to turn one and two, and I would take more dynamite to turn three and four. I would blow the corners up and rebuild them because the Charlotte that we used to know is no more, and we need something to happen there. But, man, no practice. Practice or no practice, who cares? These guys are smart engineers, crew chiefs. We can pull it off either way. Anything else, Brett? No. (laughs) Just blow the racetrack up. Late last night, the DBC picks results changed. Freddie actually took the victory at Charlotte with his pick of Martin Truex Jr., followed by TJ with William Byron and Brett with the disqualified Jimmy Johnson. Now let's make picks for both Wednesday's Charlotte race and Sunday's Bristol race. Brett, you're first up. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. We're going, we're going back to Charlotte on Wednesday. Then we're going to Bristol. So I don't think I should get to pick first both times, Jason. So I'll go first for Charlotte. And since I have a lead, it should be a commanding lead if Jimmy Johnson's team would have had together. I'm going to go with Martin Truex Jr. for Wednesday's race at Charlotte. It's short. He's fast. I hope he's got a good starting spot. I bet he doesn't, but we'll see. That's my guy. TJ. Uh, So for Charlotte, I'm going to go Alex Bowman. Friday. I'll go for Charlotte. <sighs> oh, now you're being a TJ. You don't know who to pick. Well, I don't know if I want to go shoot for the fences here or just let you guys have a week and save a pick. Look, dude, Quinn Huff's I'll available. Take William Byron. That's a solid pick. We got some. We got a load yeah. of guns. I thought so, too. Charlotte. All right. All right, then, Freddie, you can pick first for That's- Bristol. How do you get first out we'll of that? Backwards. I think TJ should go first. TJ, I you agree. go first. Oh, uh, shoot, man. I wasn't ready for that. I already used the guy that I want to pick. I'll go, uh, give me old Matt Kenseth. Ooh, solid choice. Freddie, who you I'll, got? I'll take Matt D. Benedetto. I will who, take the first Matt I wanted. Eric <laughs> Nice Hair Jones. What? Let's who? go, Eric Jones. Oh, okay. Boom. All right, well, as always, thank you guys so much for listening. And please help us out by sharing a link, commenting about how much you love the show, only good comments. And then if you have any bad comments, make sure they're only about Brett. Um, and don't <laughs> we forget got one to leave of them us last week. <laughs> <laughs> hey, watch these races. Watch these midweek races. Tell your friends to watch these midweek races. We want to run more races at night during the week as an industry. We want traction. Help us. Watch, please. Yeah. I, you know, 
don't let the weather affect you. Try to tune in, and you know I know it gets screwy with the schedule. That's why the ratings weren't that great last week. I feel like, but you know, Fox Sports One, Fox, wherever we're at, come and watch. Have a great week. Thanks for listening, guys. We out. Yeah, thanks for listening. Check out Dirty Mo Media on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Dirty Mo.